0: My name is Morgan Folds. I'm 16 years old, and I am in the 10th grade. In August 2019, I actually got—I actually got saved and had a profession of faith. And I hadn't—I didn't get baptized when I was saved, um, or when I got saved. Uh, and at the time, I was at a different church, and it just didn't feel right. Um, but then I showed up at First Baptist, uh, and you know, realized that this is where God wants me to be, and what I'm doing here is what God wants me to be doing. Um, and so then I'm like, well, why not get baptized as a church that you feel like you're doing work for God at? 2019 was probably, what, four years ago? Um, so, yeah, it's 2023, and um, it's been a while, but that journey between 2019 and 2023 has been not all that great. There's been good times and there's been bad times, but I, I wouldn't take those bad times for granted because of what, God has shown me and what God has allowed me to do. If you've ever read the Bible before, you know that God says that getting baptized isn't what saves you. The only way you get saved is by a profession of faith and repentance of sin. But the reason that I wanna get baptized is because um, I wanna tell the world that Jesus is my savior. And um, if I'm just being honest with you, Jesus is probably the only reason that my family has made it through the last four years of, of, of um, time. And things get really, really bad, really bad, really quickly. Um, but God has been good, and God has done some things in my life that I want to share the world with. So I'm here to tell you that Jesus is my Savior, and I'm going to get baptized because of it.
1: Yeah. Well, my name is uh, Matthew Goodman. I'm the student pastor here at First Baptist Church on the Square, and uh, this is one of our students, Morgan, and uh, honestly, I don't know that I could say much more uh, than what he said right there. Um, I loved getting to sit and make that video with him and just hear his heart, and what I love... And, and my prayer today is that this would be an encouragement to some of you in here. Some of you that may have made a profession of faith earlier in life, but have not followed up in baptism uh, like we are commanded to in Scripture. It's been four years, and yet Morgan still is following what God has, has told us to do as believers in making his profession of faith public. And I just love that, that he's doing that, that he's not afraid to, to get back up here even four years later. And so maybe that's an encouragement to someone in here, someone who needs to make that profession of faith publicly. So that being said, <clears throat> Morgan, who do you confess to be your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you my brother in the name of the Father, the Son the Holy Spirit. There's water here. What is keeping you from being baptized today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. God, what an awesome morning we get to have when we get to celebrate new life in you, when we get to partake of the Lord's Supper later on, God, we get to be a family here, we get to be a a community of believers, and so God, again, I just thank you for what this right here represented this morning. God, one of your children going from death to life, making that profession of faith, public. God, you are good. And I pray that we would just continue to, to worship you and to just sing out and give every bit of the glory that you deserve right back to you guys. We love you. We praise you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um,
2: I'm Coleman Foss. I am the uh, chairman of the pastor search committee and wanted to give everybody a quick update on where we are on the process. Hopefully, we don't have to do too many more of these updates. Um, August marks, the end of August, actually marks the end of the application process time. So we um, received about 150 applications. Uh, we didn't wait until we got all the applications. We've, we've been vetting them as we've gone through this process. And we actually wound up in, um, identifying about 24 or 25 people that we thought were very, very strong candidates. I have to say, we had some incredible candidates terms of educational background, leaders at other churches, and uh, we got down to about 24, 25. We culled those down a little bit, um, down to about 12 that we thought were really solid candidates. Uh, We then pared that down a little bit more to start the interview process, and we sent out questionnaires to eight candidates. Um, So we're we're already interviewing um, them through that that questionnaire process. It was actually a fairly lengthy questionnaire that we sent out, and we've also been vetting them through um, watching their sermons on online and we're now in the process of setting up actual interviews and and uh, vetting their references. So where are we totally? Um, we were hoping that we would have this done by the end of the year. I'm proud to say that I think we'll probably be a little bit ahead of schedule. Our goal is to over the next month, uh, we're actually meeting tomorrow night over the next month, kind of get the rest of the interviews nailed down in terms of timing. Uh, we've just got a handful of candidates that we're actually gonna bring on site to interview. And I have to say this, if you're not familiar with our bylaws, I know we've gone through a lot of bylaw changes recently, but it is the charge of the Pastor Search Committee to bring one candidate forward for your consideration. So as we go through this entire process, we'll continue to vet, we'll continue to to make sure that we're looking at every aspect that we possibly can. But once we finally uh, identify a candidate, uh, at that time I will bring forth that candidate. We will submit that for the entire congregation to consider. And then there's a two-week waiting period. And that two-week waiting period is designed for um, the congregation to ask questions of the pastor search committee, designed for y'all to go online and look at um, uh, sermons that that the person we choose has done, and most of them all have them posted on site. But it just gives you the opportunity to really um, dig down a little bit deeper. And if there's any questions at that time, we're certainly free to answer it. So if all goes well, uh, we hope that by sometime around the 1st of October that we are submitting that name for, for um, everybody to consider and that hopefully maybe by mid-October we will have our new new pastor named. So I appreciate everybody's patience. I ask that everybody continue to pray for this process, continue to pray for the pastor search committee, but most of all pray that the Lord's hand continues to be on this process. It clearly has been since the beginning, and uh, we, we're blessed with the candidates that we've um, received up to this point. So with that being said, Pastor Marty, I will turn it
3: over to you. Well, thank you, Coleman. A podium on wheels would be very nice. (laughs) Hey, Jonah, end of chapter one, we pick up continuing through chapter two today. Do pray for your search committee, all their hard work. They have a wonderful team. They're doing a great job and moving quite efficiently. I've not seen a committee and other churches I've been connected to that have moved at uh, such a steady pace, so you have a lot to be proud of uh, with that. We've been studying through the book of Jonah. If you weren't here last week, hopefully you can uh, go back and listen, pick up on uh, where we left off with the first sermon in the series, and we'll have this uh, series four total sermons over the course of five weeks. I'll be out of pocket uh, in a couple of weeks, but. Well, that said, most of you know the story anyway. You have this guy who refused to do what God wanted, ran away from God's will. God sent a great fish who swallowed Jonah. He lit a candle in the fish's belly and then got thrown up into the beach where he got to be a real boy the rest of his life, right? No, that's Pinocchio, okay? I'm seeing if you're listening. But for a lot of people, they associate a story like Jonah with one like Pinocchio. Great children's tale, but a little more than I can swallow myself. I mean, that's a bit much to say that a guy got swallowed by a fish, lived inside of a fish for a few days, and then lived to tell the story. There's really no reason for us to doubt the story of Jonah. Uh, We won't chase this rabbit too long, but let it suffice to say that there are miracles all throughout the Bible. The miracle of God's creation, that we even live here on this planet, that we woke up today. The miracle of God's salvation in your life, that you could be born again when all you deserve is separation from God and hell with no hope of your own to have salvation, yet God made a way through Christ. That's a miracle that God has performed in your life to bring you new life. Uh, on and on we could go with all the miracles God has performed, uh, specifically revealed in his word. Now, in addition to that, we often focus on Jonah being swallowed by a fish, and we ask a lot of questions like, "Well, how did he breathe inside the fish?" I don't know. It's a miracle. That's the point. Uh, but in the book of Jonah, it's not just Jonah being swallowed by a great fish. Uh, people have counted upwards of ten miracles, depending on how you define each uh, aspect of the book of Jonah. But up to ten miracles that happened in the storyline of Jonah. So this is just one. Of many, many different miracles that God performed. But really, we come to the the foundational question that we have presented to us in Scripture is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, the answer to that, being a rhetorical question, is no, of course not. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And not only that, but when you look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, around verse 38 and following, Jesus affirms the experience of Jonah that he was in the belly of the fish for uh, three days and uses it as a picture, an illustration of his own resurrection, that he would die, be buried, and three days later rise from the dead. So Jesus affirms that, and for us to deny uh, the story of Jonah would be also to deny the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. So it's a slippery slope. Uh, should we choose to do so. But we come back to that idea that is there anything too hard for the Lord? If God can take nothing, which is nothing, because nothing, I'm confusing myself here, but turn it into something, uh, that is absolutely impossible apart from the power of God. But with all that aside, the story of Jonah being swallowed by a great fish is really a story that is a great help to all of us here today. The amazing account helps us to deal with the dark occasions of life. Man, isn't it true life can get pretty dark? Maybe for a lot of us today in this room, I suspect life's kind of dark right now. A lot of problems, relational problems, financial problems, health problems, problems with kids or grandkids, work issues, retirement issues, all the different things we could put forward on and on and over and over the list goes. When we find ourselves in these dark places, these scary times of life, we can feel helpless. We can feel really overwhelmed and like there's no light on the other side. There's nothing on the other side. It's just this is the end. This is the worst. There's nothing that can be done about it. And we feel like we're in that place oftentimes. And for many people, you may feel like it right now. You're really good at faking it, you come into the room, you're nice to people, you dressed up fine, you got your makeup done, you got your hair in place, all that kind of thing, but deep inside behind the the mask is a lot of pain. Behind that facade is a lot of hurt and a lot of fear about the future. Well, when we look at the story of Jonah, we understand how we can get through the hardships of life. It becomes a huge help to us. Uh, So today I want to talk about being in dark places and how to get through to the other side of it. How to live life in a victorious way in the dark places. And talk about a dark place. Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. Now remember in chapter 1, he went down to Joppa, we noted. The Bible said that. He went down into the ship and he laid down. He was cast down into the sea. Then he went down into the belly of the fish. And God sends some type of great creature. I don't know if it was a -a one-of-a-kind creature, an existing creature, whatever it was. God, in his infinite power and wisdom, sent this great fish that swallows uh, Jonah. And this half-drowned, wayward prophet who had turned away from the Lord went through this downward spiral that leads him to hit rock bottom. He comes to the end of his rope, the end of the situation, And I'll tell you, the belly of the fish is not a happy place to live, but it's a great place to learn. And that's true for us today when we feel like we're in a proverbial uh, inside of a dark fish. When we feel like we're all surrounded, everything's closed in, there's no hope, no way out of our circumstance. It may be scary, it may be overwhelming, but God can teach us a lot of things. And we learn this through the story of Jonah. So the first thing I want us to discover today, if you're taking notes, is this. In those dark places, we need to ask God for help. We need to ask God for help. One of the hidden blessings of being in a dark place is that it's a way of pushing us down to our knees. For many of us, God needs to break us down so we can look up. We need our our pride to crumble to the ground so we can look up to God. We need to be brought all the way down so we have no place to go but up. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. So Jonah had turned away from God. He had run to the far side of the earth. He was trying to get away from the calling of God on his life, only to find himself in an awful situation. Hoping to escape the will of God. Now he's on the verge of death. And what does he do? He cries out to God in prayer. (coughs) Now, If you're in a tough situation, it may be that praying is the last thing you feel like you want to do. Physically, you're spent. Emotionally, you're exhausted. Spiritually, you've lost heart. You feel like you cannot pray. And listen, I've been there. In those dark situations, there are times we feel like we can't even utter the words in prayer. And what we do is we try to find worldly solutions. We try to Resolve it in our own wisdom. We make our pros and cons list about the problem we're facing. We get advice from friends. We try to give it a a shot at correcting the problem ourselves. And if we pray, it's not so much about connecting with God as it is to pray and say, God, fix my problem. Now, you need to discover with Jonah, there is a God who listens to your cries. Verse 2, I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard, or it could be translated, you actually listened to my voice. So in other words, God is a father who listens to the deep anguished cries of his children. I was thinking about a while back we were playing the game Pictionary. Remember that game? You get a card, you look at the word, you got to draw it, and everybody has to guess without you talking as you look at your little picture you're drawing. Well, we ran into a problem. as Cindy and I were playing with our two kids, and they've grown up in a generation without landlines. So they get a card... And they look at the word and they're all confused and Sarah's saying she wants another card and Andrew wants to take a look at it and he doesn't know what this word means either and they're all confused. I'm thinking it must be something hard. I mean, my kids are smart, right? I mean, everybody wants to believe in their kids. And then I look at the card and the thing they were supposed to draw or or convey in some drawing was this, busy signal. They had no idea what that meant. Now... (laughs) For a lot of us today who grew up in a different era, we know about a busy signal. They had no idea what that meant. Now, when we reach out to God in prayer, when you're in that dark place and you ask for God's help, never is there a time you're getting a busy signal, never a time it's going to voicemail, never a time when God is not hearing the prayers that you are praying. He listens, he hears, and he responds. Now, I want you to note that. God always responds to the prayers of his children. Every single time. God does not ignore you in your struggle. He listens so we can ask for help, and we will find it. He is listening. He is answering back with his comfort, with his strength, with his grace. And you say, Marty, but I prayed in my dark situation, and God didn't answer. God did not respond. I did not feel like God heard me. Listen, God's greatest help is not always changing your situation, but giving you his grace and his presence in your situation. That's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul when he was struggling with that thorn in the flesh he talked about. Whatever that problem was in his life, he prayed and asked God, God, take it away, God, take it away, God, take it away, and God never took it away. Now, for us, We would look at that maybe and say, well, God's not listening. God's not responding. Why isn't God hearing my prayers? What am I doing wrong? I thought the preacher said that God listened, God responds. But sometimes it's not about changing your circumstance, but showing up in your circumstance with his grace and his comfort. So when times are dark, number one, ask God for help. Number two, in dark places, take responsibility. So many times, the dark places we find ourselves in are honestly of our own making. Now, this part is really hard to hear, because when we get ourselves in a mess and life goes upside down, we never want to believe it's our fault. I mean, how could I be the root of the problem? How could I have caused this relational fiasco I'm dealing with? How could I be the one who got myself into a situation of heavy debt and no money? It couldn't have been my spending habits. We, we get into these situations and we never want to believe we are the root of the problem. For nearly two decades, I've had people come to me and, in a pastoral counseling environment and say, hey, here's this thing going on in my life rarely does someone say, and I caused the problem. Everything I'm dealing with is because I'm a knucklehead. People hardly ever come to that conclusion. It's always some other environment around them that caused this problem in their lives. But let's be honest about it. Most of the problems we deal with, we can trace back to some bad decision making in our lives. And God said something in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. We don't like to read. We don't like to apply in our lives, but he said, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Now that seems harsh, but it's true. The truth may upset us, but that doesn't make it less true. It's kind of like the lady who was boarding a bus one day, And as she stepped onto the bus with her baby, the bus driver looked at her and then looked at the baby and said, Lady, that is the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my life. Well, she was horrified, right? I mean, you might have punched the guy. I mean, uh, but that's what he said to her. She was hot as fire about it. She was madder than she could be. So she makes her way, storming down the aisle of the bus. She goes and sits toward the back next to a guy. And he notices that she's visibly upset. And he looks over at her and said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. That bus driver just insulted me. I am so angry. He was so ugly to me. I cannot believe what he said to me. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, you don't have to take that. You march right up there and give him a piece of your mind. Go right now. I'll hold your monkey. You go up there and you let him know exactly what you think. Listen, the truth hurts sometimes. We don't like to hear that possibly it's our fault. Thankfully, God heard the cries of Jonah, and thankfully he he hears the cries that we offer to him. But the truth is that Jonah never would have been in this dark place if he had obeyed God. It was his rebellion that put him there. It was his disobedience that left him in this dark place Dark place. And he notes it in verse 3. When you threw me into the depths, in the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. God disciplines Jonah, tosses him into the sea. He nearly drowns. And what we see here is that rather than make excuses, Jonah is owning up to his mistakes. He's acknowledging that he did something, and as a result, God responded. And some of us today, God is telling us it's time to take responsibility. It's time to own our problems. It's time to repent of our sin. And it may sound harsh that our dark places are God's discipline, but it's a sign that God loves you to take you to those dark places, to drive you to your knees, to drive you to a place where you have nothing else you can do but to cry out to God for forgiveness. Jonah went to a dark place because of his disobedience, and now he's making things right. He's acknowledging that he made some decisions that led to God tossing him into the sea. Many of you grew up in a great household. You had a loving father. And by loving father, you... I'm sure, recognized that he was one who uh, taught you right and wrong. He didn't just let you go do anything you wanted, go rob convenience stores and graffiti your neighbor's house. I mean, he, you had rules, you had curfews, or you had behaviors or manners you had to express. You had a loving father who guided you, and when you didn't do what you were supposed to, that loving father disciplined you. So much more, our Father in Heaven's greater than any earthly father, brings discipline in the lives of the children he loves. So really, if we're not being taken sometimes to these dark places, taken to the woodshed, so to speak, it's because maybe we don't belong to God. When we find God's discipline in our lives, it's actually a sign that God loves us, and he doesn't want to just let us go into sin, but he loves us too much, and he's trying to pull us back to himself. God's discipline is for the purpose of guiding us back to holy living so understand you possibly could be the root of the problem if so take responsibility number one in dark places we need to ask God for help number two we have to take responsibility number three in dark places remember God's promises when things are bad it's hard to avoid being in despair right there's no hope. There's no answer. My problem can't be resolved. We tell someone what we're going through. They try to give us advice, offer hope to us. And, and sometimes we don't even want to hear it because we believe it's the end of the line. There's no solution. It's doom and gloom all around us. Look at verses 4 through 7. Jonah here sa- And I said, I've been banished from your sight. Listen to this. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank the foundations of the mountains, the earth gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. All this time we've noted Jonah's been going down. Then he focuses his gaze upward toward God's temple. He lifts his prayer heavenward. I think what we see here is that Jonah as a prophet knew the word of God, perhaps even reminded of the words of Solomon as the new temple was being dedicated where it says in 1 Kings chapter 8, every prayer petition that any person or that all your people Israel may have, they each know their own affliction as they spread out their hands, listen, toward this temple, may you hear in heaven your dwelling place and may you forgive, act, and give to everyone according to all their ways since you know each heart For you alone know every human heart so they may fear you all the days they live on the land you gave our ancestors. I think Jonah knew those covenant promises and he's claiming them as his own. And God today, in your dark situation, has made some promises to you. So many. Let's just recount a few. Jesus said in your struggle... I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Some of you feel all alone right now. Your dark place has put you in a really bad place where you feel like God doesn't care, God's not there, God's missing, He's absent, He doesn't care about you anymore. But Jesus made a promise, and, and our Savior is without sin. It's impossible that he would ever compromise his word. So therefore, what he has said is true right now in your dark place. He has not left you. He will not leave you. He will never forsake you. It is God's promise to you. Like he promised Paul, his grace will be there for you. The word of God tells us his grace is sufficient in our time of need. When sin is the cause of our problems and our darkness, First John 1, 9 says, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sins as we confess our sins to the Lord. We have all these promises we can hold to today, and we don't need to lose sight of them. We don't need to let them go, just like uh, Jonah in the depths of, of that dark place as he lifted his hands and his eyes toward the temple of God, as he offered his prayer up to God, You today can be encouraged and know that your God is with you. He will carry you through. He will not leave you abandoned. He will not make an orphan out of you spiritually, but he will bring to completion that good thing in which he started in your life. God loves you and he's made these promises to you. Jonah had to have been amazed when his eyes were focused back on God. He realized all along God's eyes were on him. Jonah had given up on God But God never gave up on him, and God never gives up on you. No matter how dark it is, no matter how deep the pain, how broken your heart may be, he is pursuing you, and he is drawing you back to himself, and he will always be faithful to his promises. He will always be faithful to his children. So in dark places, remember God's promises. So number one, in dark times, we need to ask God for help. Number two, we need to take responsibility. Number three, we need to remember God's promises. And then finally, number four, we need to find joy in the journey. Find joy in your journey. No matter how bad it is right now, no matter how bad the pain or the fear, your failure or disappointment, the child of God, you right here, as a child of God, have salvation promised to you from God. In the midst of Job's struggle and all that he had that piled upon him, Job said this in chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will stand upon the earth. Jonah declared something similar if you look at verses 8 and 9. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. It's clear he had stopped resisting and now he is repenting and as a result his joy had returned. This is why scripture tells us consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. No matter what it is you're going through, how bad it may be, how difficult the trial, God is with you. Salvation is yours. It's secure in the hands of God. Nothing can snatch you from the Father's hand. So rejoice in the Lord. Paul said again, I say it, rejoice. When you ask God for help, when you take responsibility, when you remember his promises, you find joy in the journey. Today your situation may be tough. But note that all this that we've seen today happened in the belly of a fish. It's bad, but it certainly was bad for Jonah. And once his heart was right, he learned what he needed to learn. And notice verse 10. It says there, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Pretty gross, huh? All the middle schoolers in the room like, wow, I said vomit in the Bible. So, we go through these seasons of darkness and we can find joy because our salvation is secure. And I know it feels like it now that it's never going to end, but there's going to come a day when you leave that dark place. There's going to come a day where there's another chapter in your life another season you're going to experience, a time you're going to come out of that dark place because God is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's going to bring his grace in your life. He's going to bring his power in your life. He's going to bring you to that next situation. God's going to carry you all the way through to the very end, all the way unto eternal life. But today we have to note some lessons can only be learned in the belly of a fish, deep down in a dark place, So what is God trying to teach you today? What is God trying to work in your life in the midst of that painful struggle? Sure, ultimately, God doesn't want all that bad stuff in your life, but God doesn't waste those difficulties. As we traverse the sin-scarred world and we deal with all this brokenness in our lives, God takes every situation and works it for your good and His glory. Would you bow with me for prayer? In this moment, as we pray, are you in a dark time in your life? Are you struggling? Maybe no one else knows about it. No one else is aware of what you're going through. But listen, God knows. And He wants to help you in your life. Would you turn to Him today? Right now, in this moment, would you bow your head in prayer, lift your heart to the Lord, voice your prayer to Him? ask him for his help, take responsibility, hold to those promises God has made to you, and find joy even in your difficulty. Father, we lift our voices to you today. We come before you with all the pain and hardship of this life. God, it piles up so heavy. It gets so overwhelming. But we know today that we have a God who loves us, a God who's with us, a God who will get us through whatever it is we're facing. Father, I pray that you would show yourself strong in the lives of the people in this room. They would sense and know your presence. They would feel you at work in their lives. And God, that you would carry them through to the other side. May they have renewed confidence today. May they have renewed hope today. May they sense, God, that you are working in their lives and that you have not left them all alone. So, Father, help us as we bring our burdens to you now minister to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. As we make these commitments, I'm going to make my way here to the front and I ask that Brother Tom join me. And if you have a decision you need to make for Christ today, maybe you need to receive him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you want to join this church family. You need to rededicate your life. Whatever it is that God's laid upon your heart, it would be our honor and privilege to talk with you today. So as we sing this next song, you make your way forward. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you any way we can, answer any questions you may have. As we sing, as we come to this time of commitment, let it be a true time of commitment. Make some decisions in your life for the Lord. Let his spirit speak to your heart and take those next steps in your faith. Father, we commit now this time to you. Minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. You come now if you have a decision to make for the Lord.